All right, we are live for a Friday edition of the Mike and Mario Show. Uh, excited to be back. Looking forward to connecting. Mario, how you doing, my friend? Yeah, Mike, I'm doing well. And you? Uh, I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Uh, excited to uh, connect with you as always and try to just walk our way through and talk our way through this craziness. And as of right now, uh, as we went, as we mentioned before, it looks like a, a whisperer came out and calmed things down and Put a little bit of confidence in the markets as we're looking at everything for most part trending upward but we know it's temporary and it's not authentic in nature but um yeah so what do you want to start today how you want to start off talking about the whisperer or what sure uh yeah so who's the whisperer well it's a guy called nick tiriamos he writes for the wall street journal and uh, the the federal reserve has had these kinds of uh, reporters who they like leak stuff to if they see that the market is not behaving properly, they'll uh, come out and tell them to to write something. And this guy came out today. Uh, he, he did say that the Fed's going to raise rates by 75 basis points, which yeah. was expected. But he he said people are starting uh, the Fed starting to debate and to talk about whether they should even stop raising rates next year. And, right. and that put a rocket up um, all, all asset classes. And it also triggered uh, a, quite a big sell-off in the dollar versus the, the yen. Mm -hmm. uh, so like right now, uh, the dollar is down over 2%, which is huge in the FX market. Uh, the dollar reached a, a high of almost 152. We're now at 146.80. And why is that? Well, because uh, the Japan has been the only country that has dragged its foot. It has kept doing QE and yield curve control while the rest of the world has been raising rates and doing QT. So the fact that the, the Fed might be shifting just slightly, mm -hmm. that's how it affects these markets. And earlier today as well, uh, morning time London, I, I follow the markets, of course, uh, Treasury yields, uh, the 10-year yield reached 433, uh -huh. and I think the Fed was concerned about that, and that's why they wheeled out this uh, Wall Street Journal whisperer. Yeah, and I, I was looking at uh, a couple of different tweets throughout the week, and let me see if I can find it real quick. Just because I think it was maybe 48 hours ago, I saw something from Fed Evans saying that uh, the Federal Reserve, as of right now, is going to continue to press forward or something like that. So each and every individual, each you know, different Fed member, FOMC members, they all come out with their own different narratives. And just the fact that this Fed whisperer guy, uh, I guess, has been privy to some you know information in reference to them debating. Like I don't, I, you know, I don't believe it. I think it's all a bunch of hogwash. And it was so happens that we have midterms, you know, almost two and a half weeks away. And then, of course, I sent you an article about Janet Yellen saying that uh, she's going to start hitting the hitting the road, promoting Biden's economic agenda and how well the economy is doing and all this stuff I hear. I think this is just a strategic event to basically end this week in the green on the most part to kind of give people a sense of comfort heading into the weekend because next week is going to be a whole nother case of issues, I'm sure. So, you know, can you believe this stuff? I don't think you can. It's just it's entertaining to see. But. You know, once again, they're debating, right? What are they debating? Like, we're well, they're, if they're still going to be fighting inflation, they're well beneath what it takes to actually bring a, bring it bring it to a halt. And so they're talking about pausing or slowing down and heading to December. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah that's what they said. I mean, that they, they might even do less than 75 in December. They have a meeting on the 1st and 2nd. 
Uh, and, and it could be just about managing the market as well, not because treasuries are very important, treasury yields, uh, and they're, they continue to rise, not just in the U.S., but even the U.K., mm-hmm. where we have political mayhem. And, and even in Germany and Italy and France. Uh, so this is uh, n- not localized. This is a symptom that uh, we've got too much debt. Uh, we've got too much inflation, and our central banks can't really fight it uh, properly, uh, even right. though the Fed's trying to, but I, I don't think they can really squash inflation for the long term. Right. And uh, yeah, but the politics might help too. <laughs> We're right. hearing uh, uh, these people seem to be living in a different world. Janet Yellen saying that the economy is doing great, even though we've had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, but uh, not surprising. Right. Now, it is so, and as we were talking beforehand about, you know, how ultimately debt rules the world. The world revolves around debt. And right now we're witnessing contagion in the debt market. And of course, we got a lot of different commentators out here. Some Is there such thing as overhyping the severity of the debt issue, given the fact that the, uh, the amount at which rates are raising, ultimately signifying an ultimate sell-off and we know the uk situation everybody's trying to find some liquidity and also let me just jump into that article from last week uh, about uh, as soon as we finished up janet yellow came out talking about trying to you know starting a bond buyback program to provide some liquidity like is this a sign of desperation that they're trying to keep things at a relative calm buying them more time or what are you thinking well it makes no sense because the treasury uh, has to to issue or sell bonds to keep mm-hmm. keep running and to believe that the treasury can buy back bonds mm-hmm. to to calm things down uh, 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 it just goes to show that janet yellen is an academic and doesn't know much about markets no. it, it's like you uh having a credit card uh, uh, debt and saying that <laughs> you know you're gonna pay it off but at the same time it's going to grow it, it makes no sense and the liquidity problem is uh more to do with the fact that there's too much debt and, mm-hmm. and uh, the higher uh yields keep going the the more of a problem it's going to become for for the treasury and also for consumers and corporations because they're going to have to find more and more money to service the debt. And the way the treasury does that is by issuing even more debt because they never run a surplus. So uh, I think that's uh, not going to work either. Now with the current trajectory of the 10 year, and of course everything is basically dependent upon that in a sense in the debt market. Uh, are you surprised at all at the rate at which it is, has gone up and, what you know i think you mentioned beforehand you know said five could be that breaking point or it could be the point where they have to step in or they you know we've got we've gone well beyond what i, I think we mm-hmm. talked about four being a, a, a yeah. pivoting moment as well because yeah. this initial whisperer be signaling something reference to this whole debt situation or what yeah i, I uh i'm kind of surprised but i'm not about uh how yields have risen so so sharply this year mm-hmm. I, I i've always expected uh even in the last uh 10 12 years mm-hmm. because uh something like this to happen because you can't keep issuing uh debt and embedding yourself and expect borrowers to like uh not want more 
for for lending to you uh but uh, they were able to keep this uh, charade going for quite a long time and yeah. uh, yields really low uh but i've always i've always expected this to happen and i think of course it's happening now because we started the year the 10-year yield was at one and a half mm-hmm. and we got i guess virtually very close to four and a half today uh it's very quick it's very yeah. quick and I, i think it uh the quicker it goes and also if we go up and then come down and then go up again or volatility that yeah. doesn't help either because I've spoken about this on my channel that uh, treasuries are used as collateral for speculation for pension funds mm-hmm. and if that collateral is not stable <laughs> uh, the whole system becomes unstable yeah Uh, speaking of which, uh, let's uh, acknowledge this from Keenan. Appreciate you, my friend. It says the Fed has to raise rates on the SPR. Uh, is drain is drain, and we uh, see true market price uh, prices on fuel. Bio, did you watch uh, Jack's video on the bond yield inversion? Who's Jack? Uh, I, I'm not quite sure. Keenan, feel free to highlight a little bit more. Strategic Petroleum Reserves, yeah. They announced uh, recently, I think a couple of days ago, that they're planning to replenish it between $67 and $72, which is, uh, I, I think, a silly thing to tell the right. market where you're going to be buying. Right. <laughs> Especially when OPEC Plus and they're, you know, Russia, they're, they're basically telling you yeah. that they're not going to go for it. Uh, <laughs> they're not going for that. Uh, Jack Gamble, maybe he's talking about nobody's special finance. Well, the yield curve has been inverted for quite a while, and usually mm-hmm. that's a signal of a recession. But I, I think we're already in a recession, uh, not just in the U.S., but in the U.K. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come very, very quickly to the EU. Uh, the reason I say the U.S. is in a recession is because you had negative GDP growth On, in the first and second quarter. And that's a definition of recession, even though um, <laughs> uh, economists on Wall Street and politicians don't seem to believe it. Yeah. And uh, all the other indicators we have here, you know, of course, mortgage uh, mortgage rates, I think what, it's at, at almost damn near 20 year high or something crazy. We're seeing that the uh, auto loans or auto loans is, you know, yeah down and the other thing about the the bond market and treasury yields going up rapidly that will make mortgage and corporate yields go up even more uh quicker mm-hmm. you see uh, and that's not good yeah uh here's a couple questions here uh it says in europe who do you think is going to give up the f- give up first and go to russia or the opec and kiss butt for more fuel uh to keep warm this winter mm, i would <laughs> venture to say maybe italy you think so italy maybe uh, I, i don't know i mean yeah i i don't think the germans are going to do it because uh olaf schultz the other day said oh uh <laughs> we, we uh we're now not dependent on russia for gas anymore <laughs> but uh I, i guess uh germany is dependent on the us for gas now liquefied uh lng yeah even though um we have suspicions of who blew up uh, his pipelines but they're Schultz. not telling us <laughs> no they're not <laughs> telling they're us, tell because us. <laughs> it's probably not the russians right because it's, oh definitely it's and, definitely and, uh, so you're going to be dependent on some uh, someone probably who like blew up your pipelines for your gas 
that doesn't seem like a good deal to me. Not at all. I, I saw someone uh, in the beginning of the live stream said, oh, is Mario going to uh, criticize the West again? Uh, I've got nothing. <laughs> I think the West has been a, a great culture. But unfortunately, uh, what's happening in the West now is like uh, sad, sad mm -hmm. to see. And it doesn't mean to say that I think uh, China or Russia or those cultures are, are good and that we should emulate them all i'm trying to say is that they're trying to move away from our financial uh, architecture mm -hmm. and that's going to lower demand for our currencies uh, that's all i'm trying to say yeah. um, but uh, i still think their leaders are, are are more competent it doesn't mean to say uh, i like uh, the uh, chinese uh, credit score system or that i even like uh, the the way things work in russia even though i don't know much about russia yeah. uh, i only know what we're told really and sometimes i wonder all right i question everything just because of this current moment with the amount of technology and how you know deep fakes and all this stuff you really you really don't know what to believe just because i'm seeing more and more footage about the whole because every politician used the whole russia ukraine event as the primary excuse for the energy crisis and everything like that but we had those issues well before that yep. stuff jumped off, so you can't believe those guys. And on top of the health agenda that they're still trying to push around the world, so there's a much more sinister plan at play here. Uh, I saw some questions. Let's uh, let me see here. Who is uh, Fetterman? Uh, I mean, I saw uh, like a meme about Fetterman. You probably know. Someone's asking there. Uh, Fetterman question mark. Edward uh, Diaz. You. F-E-T-T-E-R-M-A-N. I don't know who that is. F-E-T-T-R. I don't know. That's uh, let me see. I'm trying to find that. I don't see yeah. Not sure. Feel free to elaborate more so that we understand yeah. what's going on here. Uh, here's uh, one question. No, Russia, OPEC. No. So we get some questions. So I'm not sure. The, so it says Bill Holter thinks we are weeks. We have weeks left until the stuff house comes <laughs> down. What do you what, what do you both think? I did see that video. And, you know, one of the things I heard from him was just the systemic systemic risk at play right now. Mm. And, he, of course, he focused on the, the banking sector and all the things that we're not really told about the issues in the banking sector and how we're one credit crisis away from entire uh, resource infrastructure breaking down. And, of course, all the, the inability of, you know, uh, being able to go to stores and get what you need and all stuff like that, which, you know, Bill Holder has been standing up for quite some time. And at some point, he's going to be right. But. Yeah. As far as this time frame, everybody's saying weeks away, weeks away. I'm like, yeah. you know. well, I, I, um, I think it was around August, July, August. I was seeing problems in the in the bond market, especially in the UK. Mm -hmm. And I, I did say, usually, uh, currency crisis start like in the autumn or fall equinox, and I, I thought we could have a, a sovereign debt crisis, and we did in the UK. Right. And uh, I think it's spilling over into all the other major countries like the U.S., the EU, uh -huh. Germany. And uh, they're going to try to fight it as much as possible. Like uh, with this whisper coming out today, that was all part of it to try mm -hmm. to keep yields from rising too sharply. And I think, uh, yeah, Bill Holter talked about maybe I didn't watch it, but you said he talked about the banks. Uh -huh. But the banks, uh, they're completely dependent on having a stable uh, government bond market. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, the whole, um, how can I say, 
the whole uh, crisis is going to be a sovereign debt crisis. Mm -hmm. And and that's going to, we saw here in the UK that the uh, private pension system was within the uh, defined benefit private pension system was within minutes or hours of completely evaporating Mm -hmm. because of the guilt market, uh, because yields went up too sharply and too quickly. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, so here is that Fetterman. Let me find a Fetterman guy here. One second. Let me, I had him up here. So here's that Fetterman guy. And I've seen, I, I've seen videos. I didn't listen to him, but I, I'm not quite sure. I don't follow yeah, him. Bro. I, don't know I, I have no about. idea who the, oh, he's Lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure who he is, but so feel free in the chat to highlight, I guess, his stance and position. I know he's been very outspoken and he doesn't appear to be a your typical politician when he speaks is when I gather. So, but I, I'm not sure of who he is. And then also, um, what else we got here? Okay. Let's get to, so, or, so feel free to throw out some questions or whatnot, but we'll keep it moving. Uh, I got a couple more topics here that I want to touch on. Let me grab them real quick. Uh, so here is something as well, just to, cons- I'm not sh- sure how to take it. This is probably a more of a long-term issue to be dealt with, but, uh, there's more states piling on as far as divesting in BlackRock due to that, uh, as it says here, the woke, the woke political agenda. And so they're pulling from funds from the whole, uh, out of the whole ESG movement, the BlackRock Larry Fink is pushing. Do you see this as something that will actually catch on and it'll basically force BlackRock to pivot and move away from that, you know, woke energy policy they come up with, or this is just something, some noise or distractions in the short term. What do you think? Uh, no, I think it's a bigger move, and uh, hopefully, uh, this ESG uh, agenda will be like uh, totally forgotten in a few years' time. Mm-hmm. And, and I noticed that Texas and uh, Louisiana have done the same. Right. And I even noticed that Jamie Dimon, I think uh, a few like a uh, last week or something, he was not talking publicly to reporters, but he was like at a private conference and mm-hmm. he even had a go at ESG, <laughs> which I thought was good. And, and he even said, Jamie Dimon, who's the CEO of JP Morgan, that the U.S. Should, has plenty of uh, hydrocarbons or oil and that we, we shouldn't go begging the Saudis and Venezuela for, for oil. So yeah, I I think this ESG uh, thing is um, dead in the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're still pushing it. I mean, when I was on holiday, I watched a little bit of Bloomberg and CNBC in the hotel and all the adverts are like about climate and the green, green stuff, electricity. And um, it's still, I'm not, you know, it's still there, but hopefully uh, if enough states say no to it and BlackRock loses a lot of uh, like funds that they manage, because I think uh, um, what state was that? They, they, Missouri, they Missouri, would yeah. 500 million. 500 million. So, you know, maybe, maybe California won't do that. Cowpers or something, because they're so woke. But if you get more and more states doing it, uh, I think BlackRock will have to uh, think again. And I think even uh, the CEO of BlackRock a few months ago said something uh, about ESG that we need to slow down. Yeah. And, and speaking of which, uh, BlackRock, here is something I just pulled up here because somebody asked a question about could BlackRock. Uh, it says, could a BlackRock meltdown cause a crisis? And 
Definitely, it could. So here's this article from last week. It says BlackRock assets tumble 60% as stock and bond markets uh, slide. So, you know, BlackRock, they're interconnected with this whole debt Ponzi scheme nature as well. And they happen to have a very large asset holding. Not quite sure what it is, but yeah. they would be caught in the crossfires. Now, are, would they be, you know, because they're not actually a banking institution. They're more yeah, of a money manager. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of the money they manage are investors' money. Mm-hmm. The thing is that they have a lot of it. <laughs> I think right. it's like ten trillion. So if the stock and bond market are doing badly, of course they're going to do uh, badly. Uh, but it doesn't mean to say that they, as a company, are going to do badly. It's just their their clients. It's like uh, you know, a lot of normal people buy a, maybe a BlackRock emerging market fund. That that's how. Right. But they control so many assets now that they can leverage that. And that's how they've become quite powerful. So as of 2020, it says the firm oversaw 7.96 trillion. And so they yeah. are definitely a extremely big institution. Now, so I, I could literally see the government literally having or trying to attempt to do something different or special for them. Because I'd imagine a lot of their politicians and a lot of the uber wealthy individuals are in that uh, that that uh, company there. So oh yeah, you, know, you see some bailout type bail in type. And situation. I, I they think they, they get a lot of uh, lobbying from BlackRock mm-hmm. uh, in yeah, Washington. Got a lot of visits to the White House. You know, even yeah. the old administration and under this current one. So he and uh, they're uh, also uh, heavily involved with the Federal Reserve. Like in 2020, mm-hmm. they they uh, told the the Fed what to do to do the QE and go directly to outside the banking system with the QE, which is uh, increased the money supply massively and has led to uh, rising prices, uh, right. which people call inflation. But the inflation was caused, of course, by it's the, it's the strategy of going direct, which is written by BlackRock. Mm-hmm. And I recommend people watch uh, Best Evidence YouTube channel, John Titus, he talks about that because a lot of people, even in the alternative, they said, oh, QE is not going to cause, it's deflationary, it's not going to cause rising prices, but it did. And BlackRock was a big part of that because they advised the Fed how to do that. All right. They've benefited heavily over the last uh, two years, under, <laughs> especially in the real estate game, going out and buying up neighborhoods and new communities, you name it. Uh, here is a question that says, uh, Mario, can you elaborate on why the why the blame for UK's recent problems were blamed on trust? Well, because most people don't really know uh, the reason for um, why we are in this situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could go back to uh, World War One when uh, the UK was taken off the gold standard and try to go back uh, in the twenties and failed. But uh, I think it's because of that. People don't realize that it's got to do with the 08 crisis because we had to bail out not just the banks, but homeowners in the UK, keep their mortgages whole and keep the banks whole. And that was more and more debt, deficit spending. And the Tories promised in 2010 that by 2015, we wouldn't have a budget deficit anymore. But they never performed that <laughs> and we still have a deficit. So right. yes, maybe that mini budget uh, could have been better uh, brought out. They could have said, yes, we're going to cut taxes, but we're also going to cut the size of government. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, 
if it hadn't been trust in her mini budget, it would have been something else mm -hmm. because we, we just have too much debt, too much inflation. And uh, we don't have a major, the major reserve currency. So we can't, uh, we're not as powerful as the Fed and the and U.S. Out of it. <laughs> yeah, and our currency got hurt. And But it, the currency was going down even before that. So it's very easy to blame that mini budget, but mm -hmm. uh, it takes away from the fact that uh, Rishi Sunak, who was the chancellor mm -hmm. uh, in 2020, 2021, and even this year, he spent like half a trillion pounds mm -hmm. keeping people at home locked up for 240 days uh, without doing anything. That was what uh, broke the camel's back, not yeah. Liz Truss, 45 billion uh, mini budget. Yeah. It wasn't that big, I but think it didn't help. In, in hindsight, looking back, you know, that mini budget was just the initial domino that started the cascading of events, which exposed the whole debt Ponzi yeah. scheme system yeah, yeah. Yeah. dealing with the UK, like a former great powerhouse world reserve currency type nation 100 plus years ago now is just on the cusp of basically just staying afloat any way they can. And that's why the political chaos is going to ensue. Like nobody's going to come in there. Oh, yeah. and say, it's, it's just not possible. So. No, I, I mean, uh. and what <laughs> trust, what happened to trust tells us is that anyone who trusts to come in and change things to fix things, they're going to be out <laughs> in 44, at least for, you know, in, in a few, few weeks. Yeah. So <laughs> change will only come unfortunately after everything uh implodes correct now speaking of you know change uh here's just a little headline boris johnson and reese sunik uh titled as uk's next prime minister so my <laughs> thought is that there's no term limits or no nothing you know boris can literally just resign and then come right back you know like on some like that is that i'm assuming it's lawful because they're trying to push yeah is, is this is this uk's best is this the best you guys have to offer <laughs> well you <laughs> know uh <laughs> The argument here is that the last general election was 2019 and it was Boris Johnson who mm -hmm. who led the, the victory and the 70 seat majority. Mm -hmm. So he, he's the only guy that can come back. But I, I think it's totally ridiculous because he was discredited completely yeah. uh, because of what he did during lockdown while he was telling people to stay at home and not see family members. He was having parties with at Downing Street uh, and uh, really bad. I, I think he, he doesn't have any moral authority to be a mm -hmm. prime minister, but the Tory party is pushing it hard because they know if they don't, uh, we'd have to have general elections mm -hmm. uh, called and they would lose completely uh, and we'd have a, a Labour government, which I'm not sure is any better. Yeah, just more confusion. All right, uh, let's get to some questions. Uh, feel free to throw out some thoughts, ideas, suggestions, and uh, we can just jump on that. Uh, here's one. Let me see. Uh, I see a couple questions here. Um, um, an old person says, Mario, did you, any of your family in Switzerland see any changes during the Credit Suisse bailout uh, recently? Not really. <laughs> I, I don't think, uh, yeah, I don't think they have accounts with Credit Suisse. They have accounts with a small uh, local bank. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it impacts. Uh, I haven't spoken. I think my nephew, though, like uh, a few months ago, he, he bought some Credit Suisse stock. <laughs> and, and I said to him, be careful. It doesn't look very good in the chart. But he's not silly. Uh, he's got it's just a small part. He likes to speculate. He's in, ins in the insurance business. But yeah, uh, I don't think it's uh, hurting him. But um, other than that, no, I don't think um, 
yeah, it, it, but it could be serious, the Credit Suisse thing. I think the Fed is already uh, providing funds. Right. Right, so I watched the uh, I watched the uh, what was it uh, uh, George Gammon and Jeff Snyder a little interview yesterday or whatever they're talking about just all the uh, the banks coming to the Fed for help mm. and all the additional funding that they're providing on, on you know through backdoor channels and all the things that you know those those yeah. those, those mechanisms that they've created to kind of try to provide liquidity for the yeah. world and that's a lot of the activities uncommon signal yeah. signaling that there's something happening right now something is imploding and so of course we'll find out. You know, yeah. Well, you know, uh, I recommend people go Google uh, uh, New York Fed primary dealers. Mm -hmm. And it's not just U.S. Uh, Wall Street banks, uh, European, uh, Japanese banks. I think Credit Suisse is a primary dealer to the Fed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's where your taxpayer uh, dollars, uh, aside from Ukraine, is going as well. Mm, interesting, interesting. Learning something new. Uh, here we got that. Dwayne Clark says, what will government use to stimulate uh, work out of their tax base without a, vi a viable currency? Uh, what will government use to stimulate work out of their... Uh, I, I mean, my assumption would be in the, in the whatever, after well, all this thing comes yeah. down... They won't have a tax base if they don't have a viable currency. That's the Correct. problem. And the whole thing... Uh, all the uh, government uh, programs are going to collapse. Social mm -hmm. Security, Medicare, Medicaid. And it will be, uh, I think Greg Manorino has always talked about that, that a lot of people uh, will die because of that, because mm -hmm. a lot of people are dependent on the government uh, yeah. programs. Yeah. And uh, I think after all this stuff unwinds and once wealth is basically transferred out of the hands of the working class, middle class, you name it. And that's why they've kind of baked it into the cake. The idea of just being able to remove the taxes directly from your wallet or your app or whatever it is, because they know the average Joe wouldn't be able to, or be willing to actually pay taxes after they just lost their entire life savings or whatever. So, but it'll be built into the program. I'm assuming that. Uh, here's an underfunded uh, klutz says, what do you do you think uh, it's a coincidence that the euro, franc, pound and dollar are basically all at parity? Basically, um, Yeah, I, I don't think I'm, I'm not sure, because if you go back historically, those exchange rates are based on uh, gold and silver coins and their weights. But uh, I guess maybe the only one that I would say it could be suspicious is the euro because the the euro was set up as a basket of the old european currencies mm -hmm. and uh i think when it came out uh it was actually the euro dropped to like 83 us cents mm -hmm. right right off the bat but yeah maybe maybe uh yeah so it makes it easier you could be right um underfunded uh, i forgot what it the whole name Plus. is <laughs> yeah, um, you could be right. It would be a, an easier way to uh, reset everything. But I, I think the, the thing is, is just that all fiat currencies are going to zero. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember when I lived, uh, you started going to Switzerland for one dollar, you could get like almost four Swiss francs, you know, and now it's one to one. Uh, so it, it's just a matter of. of the dollar and other currencies, they're just going down mm -hmm. a lot. And the more they go down, the closer they get to one, I would mm -hmm. say as well. Yeah. 
Uh, here's a good one here uh, from Janice from San Correga. says, question, what about, what happens uh, to commodities if the rates fall back to zero? What are you thinking? Uh, I think uh, I don't think rates would fall back to zero, but if they did, commodities would uh, fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the same thing because I mean, if that if there was an event like that, that would signal that literally something has broke the they all confidence in central banking and everything like that is they've been lost, and everybody their mom are gonna try to run for the exits <laughs> and gold silver uh, off to the moon. And I think that'll break definitely break the whole crimex <laughs> uh, institutional manipulation. Uh, Dwayne Clark, uh, should stackers be cheering for not the West? I, I don't think it's a matter of cheering for the West or anyone else. Uh, I think we stack to uh, defend uh, the uh, our savings and our efforts that we've put put throughout our lives, and uh, unfortunately, uh, the West or even you know the uh, the Chinese and the Russians. They haven't defended uh, the savings of their uh, population. And uh, stacking is not just a Western thing. It, it should be, uh, I think, people in all, all corners of the, the planet should be stacking because governments, uh, you can't trust them, <laughs> not just in the West, but I don't trust the Russian or the Chinese governments right. not to inflate. So I think uh, stacking is more, uh, yeah, it's more of being your own central bank. Correct. I agree 100%. Get your weight up. That's been my model from day one. I'm going to stick to it. There's no other alternative. Yeah, like, you, no you're not going to give up uh, gold and silver for Bitcoin like Andy Hoffman a uh, few he's years gone, ago. He's gone rogue. He's gone way <laughs> off the cuff. He's, talk, he's talking dark, talking down of gold and silver. Uh, Chris, appreciate you. Says, how do we how do we as citizens push back and not accept CBCs from the government since it's still fiat currency? Uh, disguise instead uh demand a total a sound banking system that we have before 1913 thanks instead demand a sound banking system that we have before 1913 um answers on question yeah but then once again like you know it, it's one thing to share our ideas and thoughts on what could and what should but once again what the world is facing i don't think nobody's ever lived through like you know just looking back at the great depression the, the, the little pictures I see of how desperate people were because they lost everything and having their gold confiscated for those who you know gave it up. And then on top of that, just sheer desperation led to just people doing un- unimaginable things. So, you know, I, w- I wouldn't hope that'd be the case in our existence now, but you never know. So, yeah, <sighs> I, I think, uh, I mean, on an individual basis, the best way to try to avoid CBDC mm-hmm is uh, being self-sufficient, self-reliant, not dependent on government so that you don't have to like accept uh, their help because their help (laughs) next time there's a huge crisis will Mm -hmm. probably be in the form of of a CBDC. Uh, My hope is that just like the Assignats in France in the 1790s, uh, CBDCs will eventually fail because like like you said, uh, it's just more fiat currency. Uh, they'll uh, they'll sell it as being like um, uh, efficient, you know, quicker and cheaper to to move funds around. But uh, I would say nowadays <laughs> things are already quite efficient in terms of financial technology and, right. and payments. Now, now here's here's one of the biggest problems I think that will end up presenting itself is that if we end up our if we're forced into a CBDC system. 
then all of our average, all of our daily lives will depend upon transacting, you know, for example, paying your mortgage, paying your car, or, you know, if, if civilization was to go back to some type of normalcy, it'll be required for payment. Like, you know, whatever methods they're going to try to reduce us down to eventually will probably be connected back into that CBDC type of payment method. So it'll be hard not to have it, but then be dependent upon it will be the the issue. I think you're, you're talking about not being dependent upon it. Cause I'm assuming we're all, we all would have an account set up for us because we have to use it in some capacity to pay bills. You know, at the bare at the bare minimum to pay bills, or, or maybe maybe bills. maybe the old system will run par- parallel with the CBDC, right? And, and right. only only people who are uh, dependent on the government will be on a programmable wallet because the government is going to want to control them because they're giving them things. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> right. So it's hard to navigate, but yet you know it's part of their plan for a reason. So. Uh, it says, should crypto be looked at as a gateway to a universal basic income in a new economic future? Perhaps a government issued digital token uh, mandated by one world government, accommodated uh, by surveillance. I'm not sure if that's a question. It says, should we look at crypto be looked at as a gateway to universal basic income? Uh, uh, crypto? Yeah, I, 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 don't think, I don't think so because cryptos are supposed to be uh, decentralized. So how how would governments uh, be able to control that and turn it into like a universal basic income? Right. Uh, what do you think, uh, Mike? I, I don't think they. I don't think. I don't think they want to. I think between now and the time, you know, if the CBDC protocol stuff is rolled out universally speaking, because a lot of the things they're trying to do is to make it interoperable with all the other nations. And at that point, I think we're going to really find out the true nature of what crypto can do or what it was intended to have us believe it was supposed to do because uh, especially like we're going to see more of the proof of work uh, issues coming up now that Ethereum's gone, the proof of stake. So they're going to definitely try to, you know, con- create some type of consensus war. And I, I think it's going to be a major pushback against cryptos in general through regulation of some kind. How? I don't know, but I doubt they allow both of those payment railways mm. to, to flow freely together. That's competition. Or, so they don't like that. Yeah. Karen Reinerson says, I paid into Social Security for 45 years. It's uh, my money. I agree with you. The only problem is that all the, your money has been spent <laughs> and, and they might pay you your Social Security check, but it will be with uh, dollars that are a lot less, um, uh, have a lot less purchasing power than they did 45 years ago. Yeah. And uh, I know what you mean because... Uh, a lot of people say, uh, yeah, uh, um, you know, people, I think people, some people uh, say that, uh, you know, the social security is like a, a, a government benefit, but it's not. It's something that you put there that you were kind of forced to put. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing here in the UK. I, I mean, I've paid into the national insurance uh, since I've been here for 30 years and it's supposed to provide me with a, a pension when I'm 67. But I, I don't think it will be worth much in terms of purchasing power because politicians always uh, spend people's monies. Mm-hmm. And um, the only way to <laughs> they've spent your money already, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say. Right. So here, I was earlier I was writing on an article. And so this just talks about 
the U.S. pension plan faces a bigger crisis than the U.K. So it just shine light on the whole guilt issue. Which you oh, yeah. Guys are experiencing. Yeah. And then it talks about the current pension system here. And they were trying to sell to readers on the fact that, you know, we don't have that same type of contagion event based upon the, the LDI being an issue. But what yeah. we have on our side is a lot worse. And it talked about just the, the just the fact that yeah. if underfunded of pensions already and the promise yeah. of 7% is not there. Right. Rafi Farber did a video today and uh-huh. he, he looked up into uh, how much uh, how much U.S. treasuries U.S. pensions have. And mm-hmm. they hold about three point three trillion in U.S. treasuries, U.S. pensions. Mm-hmm. So you get volatility in that. Right. Could, the, the U.S. could have the, the same problem that the U.K. has because the U.S. has had a uh, uh, here is in the U.S. They've been promising also six, seven, eight mm-hmm. percent uh, returns in a world that until uh, like last year was like uh, you had yields less than two percent. Yeah. Uh, and, and then r- real quick on this last little article here, uh, I would encourage people to look this up and read it for yourself. Very in depth. It gives a good explanation as to where we're at. But then just to summarize here at the very bottom, it says, meanwhile, uh, we're, uh, we aren't even getting into the number one crisis of the U.S. defined benefit pensions plan, which involves the mother of them all, Social Security, says this already has a hole in the accounts valued at $20 trillion, <laughs> which would either be, require higher taxes or lower benefits or both. And so a $20 trillion problem right there in the Social Security. Or, fact, yeah, or, there. More, or more money printing they forgot. <laughs> right. Or, yeah, exactly. So it's going to be issues no matter what. And that's the unfortunate part where the whole retirement scheme, like the, you know, the scheme aspect was they were trying to create something on the fly to pacify the events they were experiencing then, not really even considering about how as a can got kicked down the road, how are they going to deal with it? So everybody who made those promises are no longer in office. Most of them already, you know, unfortunately passed away. So yeah, they weren't concerned with solving that issue. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Uh, well, we have 40 minutes. Let's go we'll take a couple more questions. Then we'll get ready to wind it down. Okay, let's see. Uh, the pension is a cookie jar. Forget Social Security. Yeah. Uh, Lynette Zhang, it says, usually takes three attempts before evaluation of currency accepted. Uh, here's the one here. It says, question, what stops the fair from devaluing precious metals for another decade? <laughs> um, well, the uh, supply of real metal, because mm-hmm. the more you manipulate the price of something, uh, the more shortages you create and the eventually the higher prices will go if um, yeah and uh, if the Fed could control the price of gold I mean we'd still be at uh, $35 an ounce and we're not and um, I think we're seeing already with all the premiums that uh, mm-hmm. physical demand is uh, quite quite big Right. We're, we're, hey, we're, we're literally like, it was 35, it's $35 for a silver Eagle for sure. The, 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 at a minimum, like premiums are already what 90% or something like that. So here, it, it was a question a while ago that I, I'm trying to find it, but the question has something to do with uh, given the, uh, given the premiums on the sovereign uh, coins, silver coins in particular, you know, is it worth it? You know, is it worth buying an Eagle at 36 rather than just getting some junk silver or generic, you know, well, but junk silver as well has got huge premiums. Correct. 
I, I don't think you can buy any kind of silver that's that cheap anymore. The thing is, uh, here in the UK, the dealers are starting to pay a premium for you to sell. So, yeah. So somebody said they paid 39. I'm assuming that's for a silver eagle the other day. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that, that right there should be more than enough of a sign that, you know, things mm. are unraveling. People are waking up and people are trying to rush and get to grabbing something real and tangible. And uh, it will not get better. Like, so no matter what the spot price looks like on the screen. Oh, uh, another interesting question here. Uh, Matthew, thoughts on the fourth turning? Yeah, I, I, uh, I've i known about the fourth turning for uh, quite a few years. I didn't read the book. Mm -hmm. uh, it's by two authors. But one of my old clients from the U.S. used to, to talk to me about it. And basically, the fourth turning is like a generational cycle of about 80 years and uh, usually you have a lot of uh, uh, chaos, yeah. political and uh, economic. So the first, uh, let's say the fourth turning, uh, if you go back in U.S. and British history, in the U.S. it was 17, around the time of the revolution, 1776 to 1783. Mm -hmm. And then you add 80 years to that and you get to the, the Civil War, mm -hmm. 1860 to 65. And then you add another 80 years and you get to uh, 1940 mm -hmm. and World War II. So you add 80 years from there and you get 2020. And usually there's always like a, a, a leader, like an old person or something. You know, you had Washington, you had uh, Lincoln, Roosevelt. <laughs> I don't know now, I guess you could say he's a really old leader. <laughs> and whether he's in control but uh, i think uh, the fourth turning and the basic gist of the fourth turning is that uh by the time someone uh 80 years go by mm -hmm. uh, the new generation forgets what happened to their great grandparents yeah. 80 years ago so things repeat so i think we're definitely going through uh, a fourth turning yeah, I would agree. I was trying to find some. I see a lot of visual aids out here, just basically talking about cycles in general. Just kind of highlight uh, what you're mentioning uh, here mm. is uh, just the idea of cycles itself and un unraveling phase. That's kind of where we're at now. <laughs> Complacency, mm. gluttony. So yeah, <laughs> interesting times. Uh, right. What else we got here? Uh, try building something. Then the seat leaders, whatever. All right, so let's uh, we'll wind it down with that with 46 minutes. Um, all right, so what we got end of the month almost elections two and a half weeks away. We're going to see more of probably more whispering because we expect more whispering. Uh, they try to keep the markets calm to get us through till November 8th ish. Then after that, what would be in that time frame will all hell break loose? On top of, as I mentioned beforehand, every nation basically warning their citizens to get out of Ukraine. So a lot of people are expected or anticipating something. So mm. yeah, what that is, who knows? But, um, in yeah. the meantime. You know, stay calm, enjoy life, and uh, do the best you can. Level your labors, man. Any, anything we'll leave us with, Mario, before we, before we part ways? Yeah, I mean, in 08, uh, everything uh, unraveled before the midterms in 09. So not, I'm not even sure they'll be able to keep keep things going uh, yeah. until November 8th. So uh, don't get too complacent, I would say. Right, right. Good point. All right, my good people, uh, enjoy your weekend and uh, just try to unplug and unwind and enjoy. Find something enjoyable and also put some energy and effort towards something you're passionate about, you know, whatever that might be. Uh, be productive in some capacity and then just, you know, give, give, you know, just be grateful. 
Yeah, gratitude is my whole. I'm trying to practice the attitude <laughs> of gratitude because it, it, it requires a lot these days. But anyway, be blessed, be safe. See you guys later. Enjoy the weekend. Be back at next week. Peace. <laughs>